Brethren, I asked Brother Gabe if he had a scripture I could read, and he said he would be preaching from Isaiah 65. So let's turn there. Pay close attention. This is where Brother Gabe will be preaching from. Isaiah 65, verse 1. I have sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens, and burneth incense upon altars of brick, which remain among the graves and lodge in the mount and the monuments, which eat swine's flesh, and broth of abominable things is in their vessels, which say, Stand by thyself, come not near me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will recompense, even recompense, into their bosom. Your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains, and blaspheme me upon the hills, therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom. Thus saith the Lord, As the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sakes, that I may not destroy them all. And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob, and out of Judah an inheritor of my mountain. And my elect shall inherit it, and my servants shall dwell there. And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Acre a place for the herds to lie down in, for my people that have sought me. But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for that troop, and that furnish the drink offering unto that number. Therefore will I number you to the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, you did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servant shall sing for joy of heart, but ye shall cry for sorrow of heart, and shall howl for vexation of spirit. And ye shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen, for the Lord God shall slay thee, and call his servants by another name. That he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth, and he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hid from mine eyes. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mine. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit, they shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall enjoy the work of their hands, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. 
The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Our gracious God and our Father, Lord, you are holy, the just in all your ways. You are continually working your sovereign will in this earth. Glorify your holy name. Glorify your dear Son to save your people. Lord, we are needy sinners. We need, Lord, to hear a word from you. We need to hear what you've promised, what you accomplish, what Christ has done for your people. And Lord, we ask you as the word goes forth, you be with Brother Gabe, to bless that word, to give him the ability to speak boldly, to proclaim Christ. And Lord, we ask you to give us the ability to hear. Give us faith to believe and trust our Redeemer. Lord, we thank you for this brother that has asked to profess Christ. Thankful, Lord, and pray that you'd be honored and glorified in him. We pray, Lord, if it be your will, that you would do the same now for one of your lost sheep. Call them to Christ and cause them to know their salvation and no other. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for free forgiveness in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, increase love in our hearts, increase mercy and forbearance and forgiveness of one another in our hearts. Make us to be useful in your kingdom. Make us to be your servants. Thank you, Lord, for continually keeping us and preserving us for your glory and the honor of your Son. It's in his dear name we ask these things. Amen. 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 Please be seated. You would turn in your hymn books to 506. 506. I will sing of my Redeemer. 506.
this evening and brings us a message. I just want to share a couple thoughts with you from a couple of verses. If you would turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Some of you may remember a man by the name of Tom Sawyer. Dear brother who's gone on to be with the Lord quite some time ago. Gene had Gene Harmon had told him, You you go to any one of these churches around here, you're not going to hear anything about the gospel. You're going to hear about man's free will, man's works, man do this, man do that. He says, You know what? I'm going to go check on that. And he did. And he was gone for two or three months, I understand, something like that. And he come back and he said, You're absolutely right. There is no place in this area that preaches Christ and Him crucified in His sovereign grace. And his favorite scripture was these words right here in Ephesians. And I'm not going to read all of it, but I do want to begin right here at verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Now I want to pay close attention to these next three verses, 12, 13, and 14, that we should be. All of that that we just read, was so that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted Christ. Who's the first one that trusted Christ? God the Father. We've been doing a, a Bible study on Friday nights titled uh, Characteristics of God's Grace. And as I was studying and thinking about it and talking about it with Pastor Gene, you know, you have to start at the beginning. And the beginning is with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The eternal God. The great three in one. They made a covenant of grace between the great three in one. God the Father said, I'm going to give you a, a people. A people to be yours. God the Son said, well, I'll save those people. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do everything. I'll cover all the bases to save that people. God's Spirit says, well, I'm going to give them life. And then I'm going to point them to you. And I'm going to comfort them in their sorrows in this world. And they're going to praise our Lord. They're going to praise Him, Jesus Christ. That we should be to the praise of His glory. What is it that we give praise and glory to our Savior for? How about election? Are you thankful that God chose you and His Son, Jesus Christ? I am. As a sinner who is saved by grace, I know that there was a time I would have never come to Him. And that the only reason I know Him now is because He first came to me. He chose me before the world was. That's what He's saying back over there in verses 3 through 7. Predestinated from the foundation of the world. How about redemption? Can we not praise our Savior for redeeming us? Do you know what kind of sinner you are before God? If you do, if you know the truth about our sin before a thrice holy God, then you know about the redemption that is in His Savior, or in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Redeemed by His blood. Purchased with the price of His blood to be with God once again. How about how about justification? Is that something we can't be thankful for and praise our Lord for, giving Him all the glory for it? Oh. Justified. One of the most difficult things for this sinner standing before you to comprehend outside of the things of God's world that are just mind-blowing at times, but that I am justified before God. My Lord paid the price and 
justified me just as if I never sinned. Oh, Lord, help us to see that more and more. See that more and more as we go through this world, our sins are put away. Rick and I were talking a little bit about that. He's going to preach a message on this tomorrow. We're free. We're free from sin. We're dead. Dead to sin. No longer controls us. It no longer has any effect on us. Oh, we still sin. We still have plenty of sorrow in this flesh for it. Our Christ, our Lord, has taken it all upon Him. How about, how about pardon? Can we, can we praise our Lord for pardoning us from our sin? Can we praise our Lord for adopting us when we were outside the family of Christ? When we, were, when we were walking this world in darkness in our own sins, dead in trespasses and sin, can we, can we praise Him for adoption? Regeneration. I followed that. I followed a, the great uh, regenerating grace up behind the, the covenant of grace. Spirit of God coming and giving us life. What did that blind man say? I don't know about all that stuff. All I know is once I was blind, now I can see the color blue. I understand what it is. How about this? Some of us are closer to this door than others. Some of us maybe just around the corner. How about eternal salvation? We have eternal salvation guaranteed through our Savior, Christ Jesus. In whom, verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye had heard the word of truth. I'm so thankful that our Lord has the word of truth still going out, that he's got men like our brother Gabe who will be coming up here bringing the truth from those verses we read in Scripture. Isaiah 65. The gospel of our salvation, in whom also after that we believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto, and here our Lord says it again, the praise of His glory. If our Lord says something once, folks, we better stand up and listen to it. If he says it twice, you better take notes. If he says it a third time, you better really, really look at it. Brother Gabe, would you come? Oh, wait, we're going to sing one more song first. Then we'll do that. I forgot. Sorry about that. Thank you. Turn in your hymn books, if you would, to... I'll get it. 196. There is a fountain. 196.
back to Isaiah 65, where our brother read a moment ago. I want to bring a message to you that I feel strongly led to bring to you. Every time we preach, we pray and dig and search and look and and, uh, I did that for this service, and the Lord led me here and wouldn't let me go anywhere else. And I do believe this is the message for the evening, and uh, I pray the Lord will bless this. But a while back, I was doing some reading in Second Peter 3, and I came across this verse. Okay, let me read this verse to you. 
2 Peter 3, verse 13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. According to His promise. That sounds pretty good to me. That's why we're all here. We're all here for a man named Righteousness who dwells in a new heaven and a new earth. And we want to be there with him. Well, I got sucked into that verse and uh, for a little while I just started dwelling on it and thinking about it, thinking about the Lord. We just sang, Dear dying Lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. I love that line. Every time we sing that, I love it so much. And uh, I was just thinking about heaven, glory with Christ. Life with the Lord Jesus Christ. This new state of being that we're going to experience. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to get our minds around it. But we're going to experience it. This new place where sin cannot dwell. That's what I want. A place where sin cannot dwell. Only righteousness. Only righteousness. And I was thinking about the fact that just being with Christ, wherever that is and whatever that is, that's going to be heaven. Amen. Wherever that is, people always debate, well, you know, is he going to come back and stay here a while or is he going to this? I don't care what he does. As long as he takes me with him. And that's all I care about. That's heaven. But he said, according to his promise, according to his unfailing, absolute, everlasting promise, he said that there is a place he would create. It's a new heaven, new heavens, and a new earth. And in searching for scriptures that described this new heaven and new earth, I was led to Isaiah 65. And I want us to look at this chapter tonight. We're just going to go through it. And if the Lord is willing, I would like for us to get excited about eternity together. That's the hope. That's my hope for this message. I've titled this, New Heavens and a New Earth. Now let's begin with what our Lord has to say in verse 1. Isaiah 65, verse 1, He said, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. Do you know what that verse tells us? That verse tells us that God is sovereign. That's what it tells us. That verse tells us that God is merciful. Merciful to whom He will be merciful. Sovereignly merciful. And that verse tells us that God is kind. He is gracious and He is loving. Verse 1, He said, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. Verse 2, He said, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. Do you know what that verse tells us? That verse tells us that we are wicked and rebellious and selfish. That's what it tells us. Verse 2 again. He said, I've spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. God is sovereign, merciful and kind. We are wicked, 
rebellious and selfish. Verse 3. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. Idol worshippers. That's what we are. That's what we are. The greatest idol we have is self. I'm my greatest idol. I love me. I worship me. My flesh does. Verse 4, which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh and broth of abominable things, is in their vessels. Dead. Evil. That's what we are by nature. Dead. And evil. Verse 5, he said, Which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. Self-righteous, ignorant, and delusional. That's what we are by nature. He went on to say in verse 5, These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. Verse 6, Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will recompense, even recompense into their bosom your iniquities and the iniquities of your fathers together, saith the Lord, which have burned incense upon the mountains and blasphemed me upon the hills. Therefore will I measure their former work into their bosom. He said, I'm going to recompense to them everything they deserve for their rebellion against me. And where did God do that to His people? Where did God do that to His people? Thank God He did it on the cross of Calvary in His own precious Son. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. What a blessing it is when God reveals the cross. When God reveals the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was hanging on that cross? Why He hung on that cross? What He accomplished in hanging on that cross? Thank God. If we are ever really going to learn and know anything about salvation, we're going to have to truly understand what happened on the cross of what happened on the cross of Calvary? The only way we can know the gospel and know salvation is by knowing why Christ died. That's the only way. Why did Christ die? Why did Christ die? It was because God the Father poured all of the vengeance that was owed to us on His own Son. Why? Like, do you ever... I don't have an answer for that. I, I'm not about to give you the answer. Why? But He tells us why. Love. God committed His love for it. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Greater love had no man than this. But honestly, God's people think, why? God the Father poured all the vengeance that we deserved on His own Son. Why did Christ die on the cross? It's because all of our sin, which was laid on Him, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, meaning not from this moment to the past, and now the rest is on me. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord on my soul. That's good news to my soul. All of the sin that was laid on Him, laid on the Lord Jesus Christ, all of that sin was a smoke in the nose of the Father. And He dealt recompense to it person of His own Son. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. 
that saved a wretch like me. Amazing. Therefore, verse 8 says, Thus saith the Lord, As the new wine is found in the cluster, and one saith, Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servants' sake, that I may not destroy them all. He said, I'm going to have mercy on some. The ones that I've sovereignly chose to have mercy on. And why is that? He said, I'm going to do that for my servants' sake. My servants' sake in my servants' sake. Isaiah 42, verse 1, God the Father said concerning Christ His Son, He said, Behold my servant. We're only servants in Him. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And my favorite part about that is he said he shall not fail. I love that. He shall not fail. And because of that he said I'll have mercy for my servants sake. For Christ's sake. And my servants in him. Every soul in Him. I'll have mercy. Verse 9 says, And I will bring forth a seed out of Jacob and out of Judah, an inheritor of my mountains and mine elect. God has an elect people. And people want to argue that all the time. And I don't know why. Because it says it right there. God has an elect people. Chosen people. Mine elect shall inherit it, and my servant shall dwell there. And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for the herds to lie down in, for my people that have sought me. He said, I'm going to do this for my particular people, my elect people who have sought me. That's who I'm going to do it for, the ones who sought me. Now, how did we seek him? Why did we seek Him? Look at verse 1 again. I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, in the Lord good, I said, behold me. That's what we want to do. That's all we want to do is behold Him. I said, behold me. Behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. He gets the glory and the credit for this. Amen. He said, seek my face. That's what he did. He came to each one of us. He came to each one of his own. And he said, seek my face. And we said, yes, sir. That's how it went. Now for those that he did not draw to Christ... Those that he did not draw in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11 says, Isaiah 65 verse 11. It says, but you are they that forsake the Lord. Now, I'll tell you this. A child of God will read that and will wonder. Now hold on. Is he talking about unbelievers right there or believers? Is he talking about believers or unbelievers? When he says, you're one of the ones that forsook the Lord. Is he talking about those who are his people or those who are not his people? In our nature and in our flesh, there's no difference. We're all coming from the same one. We do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. God's own people do the exact same thing. All of humanity is in the same boat. When it comes to forsaking the Lord, and as he went on to say right here, forgetting His holy mountain, the only difference in those who are God's people and those who are not God's people is mercy in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only difference. Mercy in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ took the punishment for those who were given to Him. Christ 
bore the flame. Christ bore the guilt of those that forsook Him. Christ redeemed those that were given to Him. And those that were not given to Him, they're going to suffer that punishment alone. I do not want to suffer that punishment alone. If we want to know what's coming outside of Christ, just look at the cross. Look at what what happened to our Lord on the cross. I do not want to suffer that alone. But this is His punishment on all of our sin. Whether in Christ or out of Christ, this is His punishment on all sin. Verse 11. But you are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for that troop, and that furnish the drink offering unto that number. Therefore will I number you to the sword, and you shall all bow down to the slaughter, because when I called, you did not answer. When I spake, you did not hear, but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be ashamed. Behold, my servants shall sing for joy of heart, but you shall cry for sorrow of heart, and shall howl for vexation of spirit. And you shall leave your name for a curse unto my chosen. For the Lord God shall slay thee, and call his servants by another name. Can we not hear the horror and the terror of the cross in that? Can we not hear the horror and the I'm telling you, the only difference, we hear that and we think, yeah, that's, now that's those who don't bow to Christ. If we were not made to bow to Christ, nobody in here would bow to Christ. If we were not made, if He did not say, follow me, none of us would follow Him. And that horrible, horrible condemnation, that's what was poured on Christ for our sake. The only difference in those who are not His servants and those who are His servants is the man, Christ Jesus the Lord. That's it. He alone is the difference. Verse 16 says that He who blesseth Himself in the earth shall bless Himself in the God of truth, and he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hid from my eyes. He said, if any of my servants glory, they're going to glory in the Lord. Because the former troubles of their sin have been dealt with, and they're over, and they're forgotten, and that's because they're gone. They're gone. And with that being the case, with everything concerning the old sinful man now being dealt with and destroyed, he said, now I'm going to make all things new. Not only will I make my people to be new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he said in verse 17, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. I'm glad for that. I'm really glad for that. Many places in the Scripture say that the Heavens and the earth as we know it are going to melt with a fervent heat. This is all going to be dissolved and burned up. You all have some beautiful places out here. We went to Lake Tahoe. That's a beautiful place. We've seen some beautiful things out here. This is all about to be burned up. It's all about to be dissolved. It's all about to be gone. Well, if God intends to keep His people forever, where are they going to go? If He intends to dwell with them, where is that going to be? He said, Behold, I'm going to create new heavens and a new earth. Look at chapter 66, verse 22. He said, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, 
so shall your seed in your name remain. He said, I have made a promise. It is going to stand. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Peter said, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Righteousness, which is Christ Himself. Christ dwells there. And everything that His people are in Him, everything that we're made to be in Him. Righteousness. Think about this. On this new earth, there is not going to be one unrighteous person or one unrighteous thing there. Not one. There will be no unrighteousness. There will be no sin. There is no possible way. Turn with me over to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said unto me, Write, for these words are true faithful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Look at verse 27. He said, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Has the thought ever crossed your mind? I hope sin doesn't creep into glory. Have you ever thought that? I hope that that one doesn't get ruined. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those are the ones who are going to be allowed in, accepted in. Revelation 22 verse 3 says, There shall be no more curse. That's what everything on this earth is, cursed. That's what we are in our flesh, cursed. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face. That's what I want to do. I want to see His face. And His name shall be in their foreheads. His his name is all they'll be thinking about. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. That's glorious. How glorious. Go with me back to Isaiah 65. Verse 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind, but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing in her people, a joy. They're going to joy. They're going to be rejoicing. What are they rejoicing over? What is their rejoicing? Salvation. Walls of look at all these walls. The walls of salvation. The wells of salvation. Deliverance. Life. Like Paul said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This is death. 
We could sum all that up by saying, Christ. What are they rejoicing in? Christ. What is their joy? Christ. What is heaven? What is eternity? Christ. It's all Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. All of it's in Him. All of it's with Him. With Him. Verse 19 says, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. I will joy in my people. They will rejoice in me. I will rejoice in them. I'll rejoice in what I've made them to be. Righteous, holy, blameless, spotless, sinless. I love how it says in Jude, the book of Jude, that our Lord is able to present His people to the Father with exceeding joy, spotless, undefiled. How wonderful. Verse 19 goes on to say, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her nor the voice of crying. Why? Because there will be no more sin. There will be no more sin. I'm telling you, all of our problems come from our sin. All of them. There will be no more sin. No more weeping, no more crying, no more sin. Christ secured that condition on the cross of Calvary. Turn over with me to Jeremiah 50, just a few pages over here. Jeremiah 50. Jeremiah 50, verse 20. It says, In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. I have to put a little Salah. I have to put my own Salah right there when I read it. The judge will say, go seek it out. See if you can find one spot on my people. In those days, in that time, saith the Lord. You think that will really happen? Well, the Lord said it would happen. Saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. For I will pardon them whom I reserved. Look at Isaiah 62 with me. Isaiah 62 verse 1. It says, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name which is the mouth of, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah. That means my delight is in her. And thy land, Beulah, that means Mary. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as a bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. That's amazing, isn't it? Look down at verse 11. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. 
and they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. That's what God's people are going to be called. That sounds like something to rejoice in, doesn't it? Look with me at Isaiah 55. I won't keep you much longer. Isaiah 55. It's one of my favorite things to read right here. Isaiah 55. This is when our Lord comes back for His people, comes back for us, and we all meet Him in the air. He takes us to be wherever He's going to take us to be. Right, This is that moment. Isaiah 55, verse 12, it says, For you shall go out with joy. When that moment happens, when, when all the dead in Christ rise from the grave and all of God's people see Him coming with clouds and trump sounds, and it's going to be very happy. It's going to be a very, very happy moment. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. It's going to be absolute peace. That's what it's going to be. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands at the glorious victory of Christ for His people. Crying, well done, well done. Verse 13 says, instead of the thorn, from here on out, no more thorn. You know, thorns came from the curse. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. It shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Turn to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, verse 10. It says, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's what's going to happen. That is the condition of the new earth and eternal glory with Christ. Now go with me back to Isaiah 65. Verse 20 says, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. Everyone in Christ is going to be the same. Blessed. Everyone outside of Christ is going to be the same. Cursed. And for the blessed in Christ who have been made new, are going to inherit this new earth with Christ. Verse 21 says, They shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people, and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. What does that mean? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. I've looked at that and looked at that for years and years and years. I don't have any idea. And one thing I know to say about it is this. We're going to build houses and inhabit them. We're going to plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. We're going to long enjoy the work of our hands. Every time that I'm here, somebody, it seems like somebody comes up to me and says, do you really think we're going to build houses? I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. But I tell you this, whatever God says, I believe it. Whether I understand it or not. Maybe I don't know what He means right there. But if that's what He said, I believe it. I believe that. Verse 22, They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree are the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth for trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. 
No trouble will come from anything that God's people do. You know how we always mess everything up? No trouble will come. Because forever God's people will be the blessed of the Lord. And I'm so thankful it says, and their offspring with them. You know, we don't assume on... I don't assume on my own salvation. I need mercy every single day. Every minute of every day. But the promise of our God is that His mercy and grace will go generation to generation. Thank God He didn't say there's a stopping point. As long as this gospel continues, as long as the message of Christ continues, there's hope generation to generation. That's who's going to be on this new earth. It's going to be populated with people who are out of every tribe, nation, kindred, tongue, and generation. Thank God. Verse 24 says, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. I love that. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. He said, I'll be a very present help to them. I'll be a very present help. I'll never leave them. I'll never forsake them. I'll supply everything they need before they ever even need it. I'll answer every question they have before they ever even ask it. Verse 25, The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock. The dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. What he's saying is, there will be peace. There will be peace. That's what God's people want. They want peace. There will be peace. Nothing but peace. There will be peace with God. There will be peace with each other. There will be peace with everything. That's what Christ secured for us on the cross of Calvary. Peace. He said, my peace, I leave it with you. Peace. I was going to have you turn another place, but I don't think I'm going to. I was going to have you turn to Isaiah 11. It says the same thing this says. It says the the lion and the lamb and everybody, you know, the child's going to, the snake and just let's take the Lord's word for it. There's going to be peace. There's going to be peace. Well, no, I do have to show you this. <laughs> I do, I can. I'm not, I'm not sitting down until you see this. It'll be fast. Go to Isaiah 11. You know, we we see these things about these animals, and you think, how could that be? You know, that that's totally not in the nature of that animal to have get along with, you know, predator to victim and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is a real example of the new nature that has been given to us. If he can do that to them, just think about what he can do for us. But he he goes on to say, just look at verse. Um, Six. He said, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf, and the young lion and the fatling together. The little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play in the hole of the asp. The weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now watch verse 10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. Who's that? That's Christ. There shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for ensign of the people. To it. That it is actually a hymn. That sign that everyone is looking, that banner that everyone is looking to is a hymn. Christ. To it shall the Gentiles seek. 
And watch this last part. And His rest shall be glorious. His rest, the rest that He provides shall be glorious. It will absolutely be glorious. That's something to look forward to. Perfect peace and rest. Amen.